Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone all the way from America by Joanne Shaw Taylor. Joanne, are you well? I'm well. How are you? Um, bearing up, considering um, strange times, and we sold you up. Yeah, I think that's all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in this world we live in. Now, I say joining you all the way from America, but you were actually born in Wensbury, weren't you? I was. I was born in Wensbury, and then we moved to Solihull when I was about 10 weeks old. So, oh, yeah. you pronounce it Solihull, because I've always called it Solihull. Yeah, there's some debate. Everyone who's from so- Solihull says Solihull, and everyone who's not says Solihull, which I think is Solihull trying to make itself posher than it actually is, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Because um, it is essentially, it was named after a soily hill, so your your way is probably correct. Well, it's, it's not my way, it's just the way I was built up. But um, <laughs> uh, there was quite a, a big music scene around there in your youth, wasn't there? You got people like Slade and The Move and ELO and stuff like that. Did you get to see any of those bands when you were growing up? No, that would have been a bit before my time. But um, certainly going back to the Black Country, there was a, a brilliant venue there called um, The Robin, which... Um, in sort of like the late 90s, early 2000s. And it's still going? It is. It's now the Robin 2, which is in Bilston, but it used to get all the sort of international touring blues artists. So that was absolutely brilliant for me growing up, you know. I mean, it's still the black country had a big thriving music scene and certainly a big love of music. So it was a wonderful, you know, kind of culture to grow up in. Mm, I saw Judy Zook there about three years ago. Um, oh really? Very sticky floor. Yes. <laughs> reason I always loved it. Unless a, a music venue has a sticky floor, is it really a music venue? <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Uh, and your mum was a, a dancer, a big dancer. Was she? Did she do that professionally, or was that just around the house? <laughs> a bit of both. Um, <laughs> actually, my grandparents and then my mother were all ballroom dancers and competed. Um, so obviously, that's not really sort of. It hasn't played too much into my music, but obviously being a love of dancing, she was just a massive love of music and particularly sort of Northern Soul and Motown and, you know, older jazz, which, uh, you know, my dad was the mad blues nut. So it was nice to get a different sort of musical education from my mum. Well, when I was going through the notes, I saw that your mum was a big fan of Northern Soul and Motown. And then I saw that you now lived in Detroit. And I thought, ah, is that why? Is that why you went there? Um, I think it probably had something to do with it, though it wasn't sort of that obvious. I mean, it was a bit more, you know, by the time I moved here when I was 2021, 20, um, it was more about, you know, my album, my first album had come out and we wanted to tour America. So, you know, being based here was pretty pivotal. But yeah, I think there was something about that that attracted me to Detroit. Um, I always say it's sort of like the black country of America. You know, it is, it's got a really rich musical heritage obviously um the motown thing's pretty famous but also rock you know bob seger and mm-hmm. all that good kind of stuff um so yeah i mean there's definitely comparison so i definitely think i felt at home here more than if i'd have i'd have gone to somewhere else in the states was that your first choice or were you thinking maybe chicago or memphis um i think maybe the word of you know la would have been nice or you know new york being more sort of music well more media hubs than you know um, music scenes um that said my budget was about i could afford detroit third <laughs> <I could laughs> world city that detroit was as a struggling 21 year old um so that also sort of played into the decision i think 
in being honest. Well, in documentaries that I've seen, uh, you had the big Motown thing, but it was also Motortown. That's where they built all the cars. And then that yeah. declined, and the city or the town declined with it. Is it on the up again now? It is. I've seen a big change in the last 10 years I've been here, and you're exactly right. I mean, it's, Detroit was the Chicago of its day, you know, it was and probably better. It was an absolute bustling city, but it did sort of put all its eggs in one basket, really, with the um, motor industry. Um, yeah, I mean, when I first came here, downtown, there wasn't anything there, really, the centre of the city. And actually, I just went down there uh, Friday night for it to see a show and you know, Nike's moved in and Abercrombie and, you know, all the big brands are there now. Um, there's still pockets of the city that are, I wouldn't go to by myself. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, for the most part, it's, it's really coming back. You are a blues artist, but you consider yourself a soul singer as well, don't you? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I had such a, a mix of an up, you know, musical upbringing, um, always loved blues. And I think I always approached my guitar playing from a, a blues standpoint and a blues feel, but also, you know, the guitar players I was listening to, Freddie King, B.B. King, you know, I knew I could never sing like those guys. So I, I kind of gravitated more towards Aretha and Tina Turner. And, you know, soul was really where there were more women singers. Um, so I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. Well, there's a brilliant quote from you regarding your guitar playing is that you don't have to imagine I'm Eddie Van Halen on Beat It all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did that realisation come? Was that two or three albums into your career um yeah i think it's always sort of been there from the get-go really i mean for me i always i love playing guitar and i wanted to be a guitarist but i knew it wasn't i knew also i had a voice and i had a voice in terms of songwriting you know and i wanted to be sort of the full package and i think i knew i it wasn't just i wasn't going to be happy just expressing myself through one instrument you know i wanted sort of i wanted to be selfish and have more tools in my toolbox probably is what it was well, you were discovered at the age of 16 by Dave Stewart, and then he took you on tour. That just seemed like a bit of a, a whirlwind. How was it for you? Like, yeah, like a whirlwind, really. It was pretty <laughs> the best way of describing it. I mean, one minute I was sitting my GCSEs, and the next minute, um, you know, in the July, we were out in Switzerland with BB King, and then we flew out. When I say we, I mean me and my parents, because they had to, you know, come with me. Yeah, and then we were doing Nice Jazz Festival and, you know, backstage is like Bono and Jerry Hall and, you know, Mickey Rourke was there, I think, causing a bit of havoc. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, to go from sort of sitting in Alderbrook School in Soda Hall, sitting my GCSEs to Nice Jazz Festival with Dave Stewart and this sort of bizarre musical carnival was, um, it was an education. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were saying about your, your vocals, that you wanted them to be another instrument in your bag so to speak and then mm. in 2010 you won the best female vocalist at the british blues awards did you feel that yeah. was justification of that yeah i think certainly i mean you always you know it's not like i won that and went oh i'm good now i can stop um <laughs> you know trying to be better um but it was certainly a nice sort of little pat on the shoulder that i was being recognized as, as being a singer as well as opposed to someone just sort of shouting in a microphone in between guitar solos <laughs> so yeah it was definitely really you know really sweet and i did appreciate it one famous fan of yours stevie wonder is quoted as saying he liked your clean bluesy understated tone yeah which, um unbeknownst to him was accidental i believe yeah, it was when I played the Queen's Diamond Jubilee with Annie Lennox at the Palace. Um, and yeah, it was a mistake on my part. Um, I mean, on the day, the sun was shining and 
obviously the Queen can't be seen to be endorsing any brands, so our our amplifiers had to be hidden away. So we're all on in ears and um, not the, the greatest sound. Not to to blame the equipment, but basically couldn't see or hear too much of what I was doing. And unbeknownst to me, I was playing rhythm with my overdrive pedal on. And when I turned, I thought I turned it on, but I actually turned it off for the guitar solo. So the solo became very clean, which was just what it was. And I realized I'd made a mistake as soon as I started playing, but I had to choreograph. It was choreographed that I'd walk towards Annie for the solo. So I was already walking towards her. And, you know, there was a lot of people there and it was on TV. <laughs> so I couldn't really just stop. Um, but yeah, then afterwards, Stevie sent his his drum tech to come find me and, and pay me the compliments. So um, I, one guy enjoyed it, and it was Stevie Wonder. So I'm good. Looks <laughs> to me. We were saying earlier about uh, other cities like Chicago and uh, Memphis, and you recorded Dirty Truth in Memphis. Mm. Is it because you wanted to go to that studio, or were you paying homage to the music that you'd grown up listening to? A bit of both, really. I mean. Um, so we recorded it uh, with Jim Gaines, who's a very famous blues producer and had worked with a lot of my idols. And he'd actually done my first two albums. And then for my third one, I went to Austin, Texas to work with a different guy. And it was just at that period of time, my mom had just passed away after a long battle with cancer and was just in one of those spots where and was unexpected. So I'd, I'd finished touring. I cancelled tour, went home, dealt with that for two weeks and then went back on the road and was on the road for sort of eight months and... I just realized that after going through that, I just needed something enjoyable and I wanted to go home to gym in Memphis and it's such a cool vibe down there and really, really, you know, when they talk about the South being, you know, kind of laid back, it really is. There's a certain vibe down there and I think I just felt to to be in a good headspace and make good music, I needed to go see Uncle Jim and be in that really kind of historical, you know, place and, and just kind of have fun and it was great it was probably one of my favorite albums to make it was so relaxed and awesome and we went fishing on the weekends and you know had barbecues and it was it was really cool really fun on the mighty mississippi yeah <laughs> well i mean you were saying earlier about detroit there's certain places you wouldn't go down there it's the same in memphis isn't it i mean beale street yeah touristy great music but there's other places you wouldn't go anywhere near at night yeah, you know, I mean, America's quite a, a strange country, you know, for as powerful it is. There are a lot of spots that are sort of third world countries, really. You know, there's a lot of um, unemployment here and, and, you know, not getting too political. But, yeah, in certain cities, there are particularly as a, a female, I would not want to be alone <laughs> walking about, you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's, well, it's a... Well, I don't want to decry America or its cities because you could say the same about England and certain yeah, parts, certain place here. Very true. It's just they've all got guns here, so it's a bit scary. <laughs> yes. I mean, the last time I was in Memphis, I was walking down Beale Street, and suddenly this massive crowd was running towards me. I thought, oh, fame at last. And then yeah. realised that there'd been a, a shooting further down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing. I mean, there's rough parts of Birmingham, England, but you don't tend to run into that too much. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but your forthcoming release, the Blues album, uh, coming out in September, you've got your old friend Mr. Joe Bonamassa on board with this one. Yeah. I um for those who don't know, you know, Joe's obviously I think he's the biggest selling blues artist of all time now. Um Well he's got to have released the most live albums ever. That's probably gone towards (laughs) what he's the most biggest (laughs) um yeah he's a busy boy. Um but yeah we've been best friends for about twelve years now and with COVID obviously we've both been off the road and sort of stranded at home for some time and Joe for a while has been started to produce albums and with COVID you know he's had more time to do that 
Um, and on my part, I just really fancied having some fun again. And, and uh, I'd always liked the idea of doing a, a blues covers album. And I was talking to Joe a lot about it. And, uh, you know, he was already sort of suggesting songs for me. And, you know, I realized he was already kind of producing it anyway. So I, I bit the bullet and asked him if he'd fancy doing it. And fortunately, he said yes. Yeah. And it's on his record label, KTBA, which for the yep. un- uninitiated stands for Keeping the Blues Alive. And yes, correct. not only did he produce it, he recorded it, he and Josh Smith in Nashville. What was it like going to Nashville to record? It was great. It was, um, I mean, I've been there, I've spent a fair bit of time there. I did a previous album while there. So Nashville's always fun for me to go to. I've got a lot of friends there. Um, the studios are brilliant, you know, down there. It's it's obviously got quite a few of them. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's a pretty famous city for the recording industry. Uh, but also because of COVID, you know, it's the first time I'd really taken a trip in over a year. So it was kind of fun to, to load the car up and drive down. It's about 10 hours south and pull into town and was exhausted. And Joe took me immediately for a glass of Chardonnay and a, a bite to eat. So it was kind of, it was fun. It was a really good trip. I was talking to somebody about this the other week, that the distances in America just seem astronomical towards here. It's like we're based in yeah. crew. And you I mean, do, you're doing the gig up in Carlisle, you're thinking, oh, that's a bit of a trek. It is funny when I see, you know, I'll put up the difference between announcing US tour dates and announcing UK tour dates is someone will say, oh, you're playing Leeds, you know, you're not going to play Sheffield. You're thinking, well, it's a 40 minute train ride, love. (laughs) Um, You play American, it's like, hey, you're playing in San Diego. That's only six hours from me. I'll I'll see you there. (laughs) (laughs) The tunes that you've chosen for this album, they're so rare, well, they're described as rare blues classics. How did you go about choosing them? Yeah, uh, which I will say was the record company's take on it. I, I, You know, that was said after the fact. I just picked songs that I loved and wanted to do. And I think, you know, I picked about half the album and then Joe um, picked the other half, or Joe with Josh. Um, and I think from their point of view, they were really picking songs that they thought would really push me as a vocalist. You know, it's, it, it's a funny genre of blues in that, you know, if you look at guys like B.B. King, um, everyone talks about his guitar playing and he was legitimately a brilliant singer and, you know, could have probably been a professional singer had he not even played guitar. Mm. Um, and I think people forget how important the vocals are sometimes in blues. It really sells the song. So I think from all of us, we just wanted to pick songs that, you know, the lyric was really interesting and that I could really sell it and, again, sort of push me as a vocalist. And Joe does actually play on the album on a track called Don't Go Away Mad. Did, yeah. did you ask him to do that or did he suggest it or how did that happen? I didn't think that was Josh's suggestion because we got I got down in Nashville to his place um, to do three days pre-production with him and Josh. And um, yeah, we'd had all the songs picked and then they said, oh, by the way, we're doing another song and it's going to be a duet with you and Joe. I was like, OK. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't really want to ask him to be on the album. He was playing rhythm guitar because um, him and Josh did all the rhythm guitars on this album because I was... I was quite adamant that I was going to be lazy and not I've earned the right not to play rhythm guitar and I could just do the solos and sing. So, yeah, I didn't really want to ask him to duet as well, but it was kind of nice that Josh suggested it and I thought it was, you know, we've never done that and I think it was a, a good time to do it and I think it worked out really well. Going back to the Stevie Wonder thing where your pedal malfunctioned, on this album you've not used any pedals, have you? No, we wanted to keep it really... I mean, I'm not a big pedal fan anyway um particularly live it's just you know for me the tone is in the fingers and you know the guitar to the amp you know that's uh, as much as you need for me to be honest um and that's quite an old school way of doing it 
so I think that was important for both me and Joe to kind of pick one tone, get a sort of sound for me and then keep it through the whole album. And um, yeah, we just took two amps and kind of overdrove them. And, and you know, so they were a little crunchy, a little distorted. And um, yeah, that was the, the sound we went for. And you're on record as saying that this was a very fun and relaxed session. So does that mean you might be doing some more? Um, With Joe? Mm. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, to be honest, I've only ever had really wonderful experiences with all producers. I'd love to work with Kevin Shirley again. I'd love to work with Al Sutton and Jim Gaines again. And, and definitely, I think I think there's one more for me and Joe, definitely, you know. Um, it was fun. It was such a good session that at the end of it, I was ready to do another one. I didn't want it to end. So I'm not sure if he felt the same. <laughs> but, uh, probably sick of me. But yeah, I think definitely I'd love to do another album with him. I'm assuming, well, you were talking about tour dates earlier, so you'll be going out promoting this album when it comes out. Yep. Talking about the the sound and the tone that you got in the studio, how easy will it be to replicate that on stage? Uh, well, I don't have access to Joe's ridiculously large vintage guitar amp collection, <laughs> so there's that challenge. But, no, I mean, not hard. I mean, it's, you know, it sounds like such a, a cliche thing to say, but tone really is in the fingers. Um mm. You know, and I always sound like me, really. I've always got my main guitar. And, um, you know, actually, interestingly, there was a video that came out the other day of John Mayer. And he was, um, he got up and jammed with some kids in some club somewhere. And he had like a little Roland, you know, not a good amp and not a good guitar. And he sounded exactly like John Mayer. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's John Mayer playing. It's in the fingers. So um, hopefully not too difficult. We'll find out, though. Yeah. Talking of touring, will you be coming over to the UK? We have some dates in the diary right now for November, which is the rearranged dates from March 2020. So um, all things being well, and obviously these are bizarre times we live in and everything keeps changing. Um, but we're trying to, yeah, we're, we're certainly trying to get over for then. When you're over here, will you be going back to your home turf? Uh, well, to be honest, I haven't been back to the Midlands really since my folks moved out of there when I was about 16. So um, home turf is now my dad's in London. So mm. hopefully, yes, I will be uh, going to see my dad because I miss him and I haven't seen him since last March, obviously, because of all this. So yeah. hopefully I can get to London and buy my dad a beer. <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Uh, so you got the tour coming up. You're promoting the album, which comes out in September, September the 24th, is it? Correct. And you say that there might be another one like this somewhere down the line. There'll definitely be more albums. <laughs> yeah. So I can see that. But would it be another covers one or would it be uh, originals? I think both at some point. I have to be honest, I really enjoyed doing this and I have to be brutally honest, it was so much easier to just pick songs than to sit at home and stress about writing them that I think I've, I, I will consider sort of doing one original, one cover from now on, but we'll see. Right. Well, we look forward to seeing you back over here and uh, look forward to the release of the album in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time out to do this. Likewise. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come. And, of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.